Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Today we speak about place, not places, but place in terms of dedicated space for divine activities. How are the Garden of Eden and John Bunyan's Celestial City related? Stay tuned. Thanks for joining me for this Bob's Your Uncle podcast season one, episode 17. Of note, the opinions are strictly my own. You can now find us and comment to us wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, iTunes, the list goes on. We have lots of topics to discuss, and even so, on the Bob's Your Uncle podcast, you are part of the show. We do want to see and hear you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. In the weeks to come, we'll talk about all kinds of other topics. Let's see where the spirit takes us. Whether you're at home, online, on the road with me in your headset, at the gym, or out for your evening constitutional, wherever you get podcasts, that's where we'll be. Thanks for being with us these 18 minutes. Historical Marker of the Week On this date in history, 21 June, in 1945, Japanese troops were defeated on the Pacific island of Okinawa after one of the longest and bloodiest battles of World War II. 25 years later, in 1970, at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, Brazil and Pele became the first team and the first player to win World Cup three times, beating Italy 4-1 to in front of 107,000 people. And that's the historical marker of the week. Amanda McInnes is both my travel agent and the sponsor of this show. Good morning, Amanda. Let me ask, you became a travel agent when you lived in Canada. Why did you move to Australia? Well, I became a travel agent in Canada after a six-week overseas trip through Southeast Asia, which changed my life and made me realize how much I loved traveling. I thought that if I loved something that much and I could make a career out of it, it would be rude not to. The beauty of a career in travel is that there's always plenty of opportunities to travel, and moving to Australia on a working holiday visa was one of them. Is life different here in Australia? And what do you miss about life in Canada? Life is definitely different here. It's way more relaxed. People rarely wear shoes and love to abbreviate everything. But I've found personally that I spend much more time outdoors here. And I also tend to explore more domestically, both within my home city of Sydney and all over Australia. The biggest thing I miss about Canada is, of course, the people, my family and friends. But other than the obvious, the biggest things I miss are certain foods and restaurants and having a home with insulation and central heating. Oh, they have insulation here. It's called air. Yeah, it's not doing the trick for me. Double brick. Isn't that good enough? Don't glaze your windows here. That's not a thing. (laughs) It is so cold. And how many rooms have their own personal heaters? uh three at the moment yours uh three 
Yeah. <laughs> and we have to be really careful. They've, they've been showing on the news the number of houses with fires caused by these portable heaters. Yeah, that and the energy crisis where there's five states at the moment that might run out of energy, which is pretty concerning in the middle of winter on top of rising electricity costs. Time to buy some firewood. Uh, Amanda, how do people reach you? In order to reach me, you can just type into your search bar B-I-T full stop L-Y slash Amanda 365. So bit.ly slash Amanda 365. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of the day. You too, Bob. Stay warm. In the promos of our podcast, we say this. Each week, Bob Mendelson will take us on a journey. 18 minutes of time together, learning and laughing and feeling what's going on in the world around us. Topics include sports, books, religion, words. People, though, are our number one concern broadcast each Tuesday from his home in Sydney, Australia. Today will be no different. I'm going to take you on a journey to see something in the world around us. But first, a bit of early ancient history. The Garden of Eden is not where Adam was created. Okay, let's get over that shock if you're a Bible student. Every kid in Sunday school learns that Adam and Eve started there and they had fig leaves covering their private parts and God and they were happy in the garden. But that's not the case. Oh, the happiness is true and maybe even the leaves, but the location shows something different. Listen to this pair of verses from the Bible's book of Genesis, chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Before Peter Sellers starred in the movie Being There as the soft-spoken Chauncey Gardner, before the French Versailles was laid out with its impeccable series of gardens, long before the Floriade was on display here in Australia's capital, God planted a garden east in Eden. And after he designed and planted the whole garden, he placed Adam, whom he had already formed elsewhere, inside that Edenic garden. Eden is the Hebrew word for pleasure, and I'm guessing that the garden there was a delight to the eyes and to the senses. It would have been awesome and gorgeous and aromatic and a joy through which to walk. According to later verses in Genesis, the tree of life was there in the garden and a river of life flowed into the garden and then spilt into four major rivers. Look, if you've ever stood like I have at Victoria Falls on the Zambezi River in Zambia or Zimbabwe, or at Niagara Falls between Buffalo, New York, and Toronto, you will know the power of a single river that becomes a mighty flow. These four rivers covered Cush, that's Ethiopia, and included the Tigris and Euphrates. That is a lot of water. After God put Adam there, he gave him an assignment, to cultivate and keep it. The Hebrew words avad, meaning to work, and shamar, meaning to guard, the garden. Adam was going to be busy. It didn't take long for him to fall away from God's plans and be exiled from the garden. Banished is the good Sunday school word. And if I were to wax eloquently, I would say with Johnny Mitchell that we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. It wasn't long before the Almighty chose others to represent him on the earth, and each had his strengths and weaknesses. I get that. 
Everyone I know has both strengths and weaknesses. I sure do. And everyone I know is looking for some place to call home, too. Okay, so in both antediluvian and postdiluvian times, there was description of the people of the day and some interesting episodes with them. Finally, about 2000 BCE, a man named Abraham rocks up on the biblical scene. He's later called Abram the Hebrew and later the friend of God. That's a cool title to have. Of interest to me in this podcast today is the notion of sacred space. What did Abraham have to do with this topic? He was living in a village named Ur, which in itself is a very funny name for a town. According to the scriptures, the Almighty told him to get up and leave his town and go to a place not defined and barely described, and God would show him once he got there. That's it. No GPS, no AAA map guides, no Star of Bethlehem. Just get up and go. And Abraham got up and went. He traveled for decades. He had wife and substance. He was a wealthy man, but he wasn't yet at home. He's traveling in the region we know then as Canaan, and God either iterates or reiterates his promises to Abram, and we read this in Genesis 12. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. That's fairly cut and dried. God showed up, gave Abram cause to relax. Abram built the first of four altars he will build in his life unto the Lord. The Bible keeps showing the travelogue of the patriarch beginning in verse 7, and we read then in verse 8, Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Once again, he kept certain villages and natural landscape in mind, pitched his tent, setting up camp, and with equal commitment, he built an altar of some kind again unto the Lord, and then used the occasion to call on the name of the Lord. As some would say this second altar was not only an altar of performing animal sacrifice, but also an altar of prayer. He still didn't know he was already there, but God told him, great, you made it. We read this in Genesis 13, still early in the Abraham story. As soon as he and his nephew Lot separated, he saw where he was supposed to be. By the way, Lot is the Hebrew word for veil. And when the veil was lifted, Abraham was told to look, to lift up his eyes. And he did. And he said, look north, east, south, west, for all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your seed forever. Uh, Abram had arrived. He was in the promised land. And what was one of the, if not the first action he took? Verse 18, Abram moved his tent, came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. He built God a third place. Abram set up a sacred space for some religious purpose, I guess. His personal space was the dwelling by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron in Judea's south, And he was also there to build some kind of place, some structure, some location which would be marked as sacred unto the Lord. I tell you these three altar stories for two reasons. One, the Bible includes them fairly quick, smart, and without any commentary. As I ponder sacred space, I should see these as something our father Abraham took on board, nothing he took for granted, and which helped him later in his lengthy life. The second reason I mention these three altars is to showcase the fourth altar, 
the most significant and painful and preeminent altar perhaps in the entire Tanakh. We Jewish people read this story twice a year, both in either September or October, depending on the full moons. It's a fairly famous story nicknamed the Akedah and involves the following characters, God, Abraham, Isaac, his son, and a ram which will be caught in a thicket. You see, without the training of the first three altars, I don't believe Abraham would have had the chutzpah or the strength to obey God's command to offer his only son on the fourth altar. The story is found in Genesis 22, and it's on a famous painting by Marc Chagall. To read much about the story, nicknamed Akeda, check out the URL article from my friend Rich Robinson I'm going to put in the podcast info, or write me here on the podcast and I'll get you the link. To see the painting, just Google, not now, let's finish the podcast first, and type in Sacrifice of Isaac. This fourth altar is the place of sacrifice of Abraham's son, the son he loved, even Isaac. Unless Abraham had been through a series of devotional stops along the way, he could never have complied with the horrible and bone-chilling command to take his son to the top of Mount Moriah, that's on top of modern Jerusalem, and offer him to the Lord. But he did. How? By already having given everything he had and all he was to the plans and purposes of God. That may sound strange, but it's the way sacred space works. Later, the Jewish people were released from slavery under Moses, and in short order, they built a traveling tent, which was mammoth, had all kinds of bizarre furniture, and also had an altar or two. But this tabernacle itself was the dedicated space to God. King David lived 500 years after Moses, and he wanted to build a more permanent facility to honor the Lord. It was Not his to accomplish, though. His son Solomon ended up building the holy temple, again with odd furniture and altars to boot. Each of these represent sacred space. Now you know people can misuse sacred space or dedicated space. Mark Ahrens is an Australian journalist who wrote a book in 1990 about Nazi fugitives in Australia 40 years after the war ended. In Sanctuary, Aaron's showcases the slippery nature of these Nazis and the new system of welcome Australia was extending to Europeans. His outing of the perpetrators is clear, yet they found sanctuary and sacred space among us. Conrad Collège was among his notables, who was not caught then, but was in 1999, and he was returned to face the justice system he fled. Earlier I said, I'm going to take you on a journey to see something in the world around us. Now that we've looked at the scriptures and are pondering the theme of sacred space, can I ask you if you have such a place in your world? Is there a sanctuary in your backyard or in a nearby park where you often can feel safe, where you can speak at times out loud and you won't be thought mad? Is there a special chair in your home where you only sit on special occasions and where you read specialty books or journals? I'm trying to help you find this altar. I'm not trying to create one for you. Sacred means holy, and I mean it. This is a sacred obligation and something other religions have long ago learned. During the prayer services of our Jewish people during the Amidah, nothing should interrupt the prayer. And during the Kedushah, particularly feet together, facing east, Kavanah is at work. 
Where is your sacred space? You can light a candle there. You can have gentle music playing. You can wear headphones and have silence. It's up to you and the Almighty. But you need sacred space. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and the entire devotion of the newborn Christian was to get himself to the celestial city, that place of heavenly bliss. It's the new Jerusalem. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. And every day you live, you can create a bit of this. Thanks, Belinda Carlisle. Heaven can be a place on earth. And our using sacred space in a real and seems unusual but practiced way, that will be to God's pleasure. And honestly, you can be strengthened there to whatever tough program or enterprise the Lord has for you down the proverbial road. Can you write me about your sacred space? Do you have a comment or question? Do you agree with us? Hit us up on bobmendo at aol.com or Twitter or Instagram and we'll read your views next week. Don't forget to post a review on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening and share our podcast with your mates, your friends, your enemies. (laughs) Thanks for helping us get known out there. And please hit follow on the podcast and then like as well. We can use all the good speak we can get. Don't forget to book all your travel needs with Amanda McInnes at travelpartners.com.au. Next week, I'm going to talk with you a little more about just now topics as we watched the NBA playoffs and the war in Ukraine still spills out and those of you in the North try to make sense of senseless gun violence. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven, and Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney.